the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the Daily Show Prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. You are listening to the Dennis Prager Show on this Christmas. And I wish you a... What was it? What was they did? What did they wish at the end of the Mass? A... is very sweet. A holy and happy one. That was a nice one. Obviously, for those of you, which is the great majority celebrating, and for the, this handful who don't, a wonderful, wonderful Christmas anyway, because it's a wonderful day in America. You're allowed to say it's a great day in America. And I'm Dennis Prager, and I welcome you to the program. And if you don't hear me normally, I talk about everything in life. Attempt to enjoy it more, attempt to understand it better. And what I do, or have been doing for years on Christmas, is opening up the lines, as they say in radio talk, to anything you would like to ask me about God and religion. Anything problems you have, uh, philosophical problems, emotional problems, moral problems, anything, anything you'd like to ask, from God and suffering to you, something that troubles you about uh, Christianity or Judaism or Islam or Buddhism, whatever it might be, this is the time to do it, and I open up the lines to you at one eight Prager 776 one eight Prager seven seven six. If there's ever a time, and it's not often, that there it should be easier to get in. It is the beginning of this show, and that is eight seven seven two four three triple seven six eight seven seven two four three triple seven six. Anything you're wondering, you don't like organized religion, or you don't think there's too much or too little. Or you've been wondering about uh, why it is that Moses didn't get into the promised land for just hitting a rock. Or you don't think it's fair that people suffer because of Adam and Eve. Or you don't even believe Adam and Eve existed. Or how is it that a, a, a Jew like me would be so happy to see Christianity thrive in Europe and the United States? How, why would that even happen? Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Or you're wondering something about... Me and my religion, whatever it might be, this is the day to do it. And I try to make the days more meaningful, tend to broadcast on national holidays. So I welcome you to the Dennis Prager Show, 1-8 Prager, P-R-A-G-E-R, 776. And let's go to begin the show in... Surprise, Arizona, and Christopher. Christopher, Merry Christmas to you, and thank you for calling. 
Merry Christmas back, Dennis. Thank you very much. Right. Um, what I was looking at was how come uh, you come very close to, but you never quite use the uh, original name of the Creator in the Hebrew that Moshe wrote down of Yahweh. How come you don't use that on the radio? I don't use it at any time because, uh, as a religious Jew, we're forbidden to say the actual uh, word. That's why. It's too why? it's too holy. And uh, it, it, that's what Jewish custom has evolved to be even Jewish law, and uh, so instead we say Adonai, the, the, uh, my Lord, or... Because I noticed, like, uh, when I went to the synagogue in Sun City West, they gave me, I, I gave them a list of the way that you can use it and you can't use it according to how the law is written down in the Torah. Yeah, well, so... you, you know, you, you may well be right, but this is something that that uh, I take it you're, a Pro- you're in the Protestant, not the Catholic uh, area of Christianity? No, not at all. I actually veer a little bit more toward uh, uh, the Jewish pers- uh, perception than anything. It, you mean in your in your practices? You you're more likely even though, to go... even though I'm not I'm not I never made the Jewish. Conversion. All right. So tell me, what did you? What were you raised? Catholic or Protestant? Neither. Uh, Southern but, Baptist. Well, that's a Protestant. Okay. I mean, yeah, that is. And so the re- the only reason I mention this is for for those raised as, forget even what they are now, as Protestants, it's it's hard to understand and it's not a it's not a criticism. It's everybody has these no, hard to understand things. Because I'm seeking understanding. Right. All right. So here's the point. It's hard to understand for Protestants who tend to rely on sola scriptura, only scripture directly. Uh, what Catholics and Jews believe, because Catholics do not believe that religion or revelation even, well, revelation maybe, well, let's leave revelation out, but that r- the religion doesn't end with Scripture. It, it, it is, Scripture is its basis, but not its its end, its beginning and end. It's beginning, yes, but not its end. And so uh, for Jews, Judaism is a huge edifice built on Scripture, just as for Catholics, it's a big edifice built on Scripture. For Protestants, it is overwhelmingly Scripture. Of course, though, Scripture is understood by the many denominations. That's why there are so many denominations in 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 Protestantism. There are far more Protestant denominations, obviously, than Catholic denominations or Jewish denominations, precisely because it is just Scripture. So whoever understand Scripture a little differently than the next Protestant will form a new denomination based on a different understanding of Scripture, whereas Catholicism will have one essential understanding. Maybe Catholics differ with it at at any given moment, but there is one. And for Judaism, there tended to have been one as well, the rabbinic Judaism. And so within that context, the, the saying of God's name directly from the Hebrew was forbidden. Christopher, I thank you so much. Let's go to Houston, Texas. Richard. Hi, Richard. Dennis Prager. Good morning, Dennis. I want to thank you for this Christmas gift of being on the air live. Uh, it's a that, blessing. That's very kind uh, of as you. Evangelical Christian, I love the Hebrew people. But I'm just, as I, asked, I told you, Screener, I'm just curious about the three 
difference between three reformed, conservative, and orthodox. What's the difference? All right. Do you want to stay on, or do you want to hang up and listen? Uh, let me just say that Ray, uh, Rabbi Lapin is, is, a, is a very favorite rabbi of mine, and uh, I just is he conservative? And you're no, orthodox? no, he, he's orthodox, and it's Lapin, and he and I totally understand why he would be a favorite of yours. He's, he's a wonderful, yeah, wonderful thinker. Here. Thank you, much, Dennis. Thank you. Okay, here goes in a nutshell, and you folks are certainly free. Uh, to uh, to question my my understanding, but I think I can give you a very objective and and concise one on the the differences among the three denominations within Judaism: Reform, Conservative, Orthodox. The Orthodox believe that the Torah, that is the five books of Moses, is is a it was divinely revealed, and they also believe that at uh, that at Sinai, a an oral law was revealed to Moses. Uh, so that, uh, for example, in order when it says in the in the Torah, you shall observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, the Orthodox believe that that there are thirty nine categories of work that were revealed as well. What uh, what prohibited work? In other words, you can't work on you can't do any in the Hebrew milacha, whatever that we don't know it exactly, but it was translated as word work. Uh, and so Moses was told 39 categories. So, for example, no thrashing, no crushing, no planting, etc. The conservatives believe that uh, the the it is overwhelmingly man-made, but perhaps divinely inspired. And the reform uh, believe that it is all man-made, as 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 holy as these men may have been, but it is all man-made. And Therefore, they will have a lot more change within reform, which uh, began with a very negative view of ritual as such, which indeed would, uh, I think a lot of Christians could understand, because Christianity did not take the ritual laws, it took the ethical laws by and large, although it's not always easy to know what the difference is. For example, is the Sabbath a ritual law or a moral law? Well, in the Ten Commandments, it says that your workers, even your slaves, cannot work on the Sabbath. That's ethical. Your animal cannot work on the Sabbath. That's ethical. So that's uh, that's the uh, that's in a nutshell the differences among the three. There are many others in, in practice, obviously, but as I have pointed out to Jews and Christians and anybody else, the greatest single difference is: do you believe that there is a divine scripture or not? That is the single greatest reason for the cultural divide. Those who believe that there is divine scripture believe usually X, Y, and Z, and those who believe it's all man-made believe not X, X, not Y, not Z. Back in a moment, I'm Dennis Prager. You're listening to the Dennis Prager Show. It's the Christmas show and I, I open up the lines to anything you'd like to ask me about religion, a specific religion, religion generally, God in general. You have problems, you don't have problems, you're curious, you're not curious, whatever it might be. 1-8-Prager-776 is the number. You can read my essays at PragerRadio.com, by the way, if you're new to my, if you are new to my life. And... I wanted to share with you, before I take more calls, uh, a uh, something that I am increasingly uh, 
committed to, a, a, an idea that I'm com- committed to. Starting on 9-12-01, the day after 9-11, people called my show because of my background in religion, my commitment to it, my speaking to different religions around the world and so on, and the fact that I had studied Arabic and studied Islam. People asked me, Dennis, is Islam a violent religion? And I have answered since 9-12 the same exact answer. I don't assess religions. I assess practitioners. And I am more and more committed to that belief uh, because that's really all I can assess is what people do with their religion as opposed to religion, the religion in and of itself. And that's true. That's that's really the the best way to, to look at it, not because it's the politically correct way, because you may come up with very politically incorrect conclusions that some people are doing really bad things with their religion, obviously. But it's it's the most honest way, because, as I point out, there are such huge differences uh, within religions. Within religions. So if you'd say to me, well, Dennis, all right, what's your assessment of Christianity? Let's say, just as people say, what's your assessment of Islam, Right. So I'll say, well, is it the Christianity of the of the National Council of Churches? Is it the Christianity of the Archbishop of Canterbury? Is it the is it the Christianity of Mother Teresa? Is it the Christianity uh, of the evangelical community in the United States? You have to tell me who's Christianity because they they have so little in common. For example, the National Council of Churches positions on virtually every significant issue are the opposite, opposite. Of the of the values on almost every significant issue of the of typical evangelical Christian in America, or 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 a conservative Catholic, on virtually every major uh, issue in the world, uh, every moral moral concern, the the uh, the typical Reformed Jew and the typical uh, Orthodox Jew differ. And so, the, and so that's why it's very hard to say, what, what, what do I think of a religion? You have to tell me who's and what are they doing with it. And this will have big ramifications as you ask me more and more about how I would view other religions, and you will see what the, how this plays out, this way of my, uh, of my doing, uh, the, this, uh, how this way of my, my, my doing assessments of religions. If you got in, stay on. There are a lot of very, very good... Uh, Good questions here. Upland, California, David. Hi, David. Dennis Prager. Uh, hi, Dennis. <clears throat> Long-time listener from old uh, from Religion on the Line time. Great. Thank you for calling. Yeah. How do you respond to someone who says, uh, today how do you interpret the scripture in the Old Testament that says that you take the disobedient children out of town and stone them? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's the, the classic example that I <clears throat> use to show the, the moral genius of the Torah, the first five books of, of the Old Testament, the that law was one of the greatest steps forward in the history of mankind because it was the first time in history parents were forbidden from killing their own children. That's the way to understand the law, since no Jewish child was ever taken and stoned by a court. The genius of the law was, and remember this is 3,000 years ago, the genius of the law was you can't harm your child 
if you want to, you first take the child to a court, and then they will have a trial of your child. And since and, and if any a Jewish parent ever did, the court never executed a single child. What it did was it took the ability of parents to kill their children for family honor uh, or for religious reasons or what have you out of their hands forever. And we still to this day have honor killing of children. Uh, and, and so you can understand how ingrained it was. Roman Roman parents could kill their children uh, if, if they if for whatever reason. But the Jewish parent was forbidden by the by that law, and that's the way to understand it. So the law is not to um, it's not as a punishment to disobedient children that say two thousand years ago. It's more to protect the children. It is more to protect the children, while at the same time saying to the child, "Hey, if you really, really get bad, please know that on the books is the ability to stone you." <laughs> so it's on the books, but it was never practiced. And what it did was, as I said, is it took the ability of, of parents to kill their children out of their hands permanently. And I'm, I'm glad you asked. Those are the sorts of questions, among many others, that I do welcome. If you, there are things that trouble you uh, with in the biblical text. One eight Prager seven seven six. By the way, in light of that, go to DennisPrager.com and get a sample of my CDs on on the Torah, the first five books. Uh, I have about 300 of them, and uh, that is the way I teach it. It's relevance to to uh, to us in our time. By the way, it's how I figured out my kids could argue with me, because Abraham argued with God. If Abraham could argue with God, then my kids could argue with me. So there, I mean, just there were hundreds and hundreds of those DennisPrager.com has a listing of uh, the many, many, many CDs that I have made on uh, on the Bible. And uh, let's see here. 1-8-Prager-776. Let's go to Fatiha in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hi, Fatiha. Dennis Prager, thank you for calling. Uh, thank you for taking my call, Dennis. You're, um, welcome. You're welcome. I wanted to ask you a question, and I'm asking you out of curiosity, not an attack on your religion or any other religion. Um, I wanted to know, I'm a Muslim, mm-hmm. and I wanted to know exactly what was what's your view or the Jewish view on the Prophet Muhammad, because of, I'm assuming, obviously, that you don't accept the Prophet, the Muhammad, to be a Prophet. So I was always curious as a Muslim, because I believe that he's a Prophet. What exactly is right. your view? Let, let me let me tell it to you. You'll, you'll find this, I think, of interest. I'm going to put you on hold there because of the little static that we had. He, here is here. I think I, I'm, I'm being as fair as possible to representing the Jewish view of all claims of revelation after the last prophet of the Old Testament. In a nutshell, Judaism believes that direct revelation to individuals ends. To prophets, as it were, and they are God's spokesmen, ends with the last prophet of the Old Testament. And I'll and I'll I'll show you how that works itself out in a moment when we come back on the Dennis Prager Christmas Show. I am not interrupting Dean Martin. It's Christmas time in the city. Ringling. Ring-a-ling, hear them ring, hear them ring, soon it'll be Christmas Day. Hi everybody.
everybody. Dennis Prager on Christmas Day. Taking your calls, questions, anything you'd like to ask about God, religion, challenges, open questions, whatever, anything, anything. You're an atheist, you're you're a believer, you're this religion, that religion, anything. I have no agenda here except to try to answer you as faithfully and honestly as possible. One eight Prager seven seven six is the number. So it was a Muslim caller who asked me about uh, the Jewish view of of Muhammad, and I was beginning to answer that the, the the normative Jewish view is that revelation to prophets as such ended with the last prophet of the Old Testament. And so, what? How? Let me now. Uh, answer how I would uh, how I as a as a religious Jew I'm not Orthodox but I'm 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 more Orthodox than Orthoprax but that's a separate issue but that doesn't even need to be dwelled upon but in any event I'm not I don't want to burden the Orthodox with having me considered one of one of them but I'm I'm faithful to its to its uh, principles and. One is that anyone who would come along to argue for changes in the text as Jews have received it could not be considered a Jewish prophet. It's not an insult to the person. And what I have done uh, in understanding other religions rooted in Jewish revelation uh, is say that when when those revelations, and this is very, very important, Whether one agrees with me or not, this is very important. When those revelations lead people to the God of the Torah, the God of the Old Testament, and to goodness, that's that's equally important, to his to his moral law and who and who try to live by it, then that revelation is to me very possible. For that non-Jew, Judaism does not hold that that the only revelation that God has ever made has been to the Jews. It holds that the revelation to the Jews is the only revelation ever made to the Jews. But but that God would wish to reveal, or or others would wish to touch God, is is absolutely acceptable and even in many ways desirable from a Jewish standpoint. And so if Christianity leads a non-Jew to God, the God of the Old Testament, and to goodness, then it is a wonderful thing from the Jewish standpoint. If Islam does it, that's a wonderful thing from the Jewish standpoint. Uh, if, uh, if, 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 if Whoever it is done through, Whatever that revelation may be, that is that is rooted in some way uh, in Jewish revelation. So, uh, I uh, that is why I say that I only assess practitioners, not religions. For the Jew, those other revelations are not revelations, but God has His way of revealing His will to all sorts of people. And that is why I have no built-in uh, need to uh, nullify any other religious revelation. All I want to know is, is, to what God is it leading you, and to is it leading you to goodness? That's my question. 
And that is the question I think anybody should ask is, is to what God is my religion leading me and is it leading me to goodness? All right. I hope that that, uh, that helps. And I thank you for your call, Fatiha. Oh, I took up the whole, uh, the whole segment with that answer. All right. Let's see. Uh, okay. Oh, boy, we have all, I mean, the questions are coming from, I don't mean only mean all over geographically, but all over theologically and from all time, which is wonderful. This is a very special show to me, hence the broadcasting. So we return momentarily. You are listening to The Dennis Prager Show. everybody. This is the special Christmas show wherein you call in. I'm Dennis Prager. Whatever you'd like to ask about God and religion, generally, specifically, whatever your background, atheist, agnostic, believer in whatever religion, this is the time to do it. 1-8-Prager-776-1-8-P-R-A-G-E-R-776-1-8-P-R-A-G-E-R-776-1-8-P-R-A-G-E-R-776-1-8-P-R-A-G-E-R-776-1-8-P-R-A-G-E-R-776-
yeah. which which was a profoundly hedonistic period, yeah. and you know, and, and very anti-religious, and we are still living in that, uh, unfortunately, in that uh, residue of the, of, that, of the damage of that time. But does the does, but does the Christ child and <clears throat> the celebration of his birth does that kind of stir in the minds of of Jews and when you talk with them like you know what is it about this Jesus person you know I mean he, you know what other holiday throughout America imparts such goodwill as Christmas and yeah you know well I, I think what it does is it imparts I think goodwill is the key it's it certainly in me. I have to tell you, Dan, I, I remember, and I've said this often, I would sit in my, my, my parents are Orthodox Jews, and we would sit uh, every Christmas Eve, we would watch the Mass from the Vatican, and I was raised in, in, a, in a home that deeply appreciated Christianity, mm-hmm. but, but the, the faith claims were, were just not, we were not moved by them. Sure. The, the, the belief was, as I said to an earlier caller, that for Jews, at least the vast majority of Jews historically, revelation, prophetic revelation ended with the last prophet of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and you know, I think the, what, what, I think what Christians would need to most understand about the Jewish view of Jesus is that, uh, and I, and, I guess this is the the um, most honest thing I could say. Nothing changed from the Jews' perspective. When the Messiah comes, everything changes. Mm-hmm. Not internally in, in people's hearts, that too perhaps, mm-hmm. but externally. The world changes before your eyes. The, a world where the lion and the lamb lie down. A world right. where nation does not know war anymore. A, nation, a world of un, the conquering of unjust suffering. So when nothing changed from the Jews' understanding of what the Messiah will do, mm-hmm. nothing happened. I see, sure. And so that that was a that was a major factor. That plus any abrogation of Torah law, Jews were warned against. Don't let and it's in Deuteronomy. Someday somebody will arise and will say, "You do not have to keep these laws anymore. Do not trust that message. Mm-hmm. Th- that is not from me." So so. Uh, oh sure. So now, if, which is why I believe Jesus does begin in, in Matthew, certainly saying, "I've not come to change a jot or a tittle of the law," but Christianity did change it. I mean, take circumcision just as an example, mm-hmm. or, or kosher. Okay. So, so what I have done, Dan, and I and God bless you, and I mean God bless you. So, you 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 are the the strength of this country, people like you. What what I believe, and uh, I don't think that, I don't know if this will satisfy almost anybody listening. I don't know if it'll satisfy many Jews. I don't know if it'll satisfy many Christians. But I believe, and I'm just being totally transparent and open. I believe that every revelation that brings people to the God of Israel and to the to the moral law of that God is is a revelation to the world. That is my belief. And so that is one of the many, many reasons that I am such a strong advocate of of a strong, vibrant, beautiful Christianity in America. Okay, thank you for that. One eight Prager seven seven six, and let's go to Prescott, Arizona. Rebecca, hi, Rebecca Dennis Prager. 
Hi, Dennis. Hi. I am so excited to talk to you. Thank you. Uh, you've touched my life in so many ways. Good. I've, I've been listening to you since, um, uh, oh, probably 15 years. Um, last month, my niece and I went to Israel. Um, I have to say, I lived in Iran in 1978 and 1979, just before the revolution. And um, we went to Israel on vacation and could not believe the, the wonderful feeling it had. Why, why did you live in Iran? Um, my husband and I were uh, working for American Bell International, putting in the, the phone system. Huh. And uh, so, well, that didn't work out. And what year, what years were you there? I was there um, in 1978 and 1979. So you, oh, so you were there for the Khomeini Revolution? Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. We left, we left the day before the Shah left. Wow. So it was, um, it was an incredible time. Absolutely. Huh. Um, All right, anyway, so your question. My question is, uh, my niece and I went back to Israel, oh, I went back to Israel last month, and um, I call Israel the jewel of the Middle East. Uh, but while we were at the wall, I noticed that um, there are the two sides, one for the women and one for the men. Right. And um, the side for the women, I noticed that, that after the women prayed, they um, would leave the area walking backwards. The men do too. Uh, some of the men, some of the women, and some of the men. This is uh, this is done uh, often in uh, traditional synagogues, where people will walk away from the ark that holds the Torah backwards, so as not to turn their back. It's a sign of respect that you're always looking at, rather than giving your backside, as it were, to uh, to so, to a holy uh, to something holy. That's all it is, and it's not specific to women. Oh, well, I didn't notice it so much on the men's side, but yeah. thank you so much for that explanation. All right, you're very welcome. Thank you. Uh, 1-8 Prager 776. Anything on any religion, on uh, atheists, you're more than welcome. Do you enjoy the, se the season? I would hope so. Why not? It's a special time. 1-8 Prager. Oh, yeah, I told you that. Oh, so I'll give it to you in digits. 877-243-7776. I enjoy this, uh, this special show very much. You touch me like I touch you, so it's, it's quite something. Back in a moment, I'm Dennis Prager. A lot of tragedy on this planet, folks. You're listening to the Dennis Prager Show on Christmas Day. You're welcome to call in at 1-8-Prager-776. Uh, any question from whatever perspective? We had some Muslims call in. We had an atheist or two, Jews, Christians, whatever it is. And I'm, I think whether you agree with all my answers or not, I think you've you can you can say that I'm being fair, and I don't have a big problem being fair because my agenda is goodness, not uh, not convincing on a specific theological take. We go to uh, Rick in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Rick Dennis Prager, hi. Thank you so much for 
having me on Dennis and I got to tell you my wife uh, and my wife and I both enjoy you and we also are big fans of Christmas music. Uh, oh yes. I agree with you. It's one of the, the great jazz features. The jazz component to it that we really enjoy. Anyway, uh, I know you have a lot of calls to take. Dennis, in the last four or five weeks, I've gone to my synagogue twice, and on two different occasions, the rabbi's sermon has had a extremely liberal bias to it, and it's been very concerning to me. I've approached the rabbi on it. One well, well, what, were the, what were the subjects? One was immigration, and he framed it as immigration as opposed to illegal immigration, referencing Abraham saying, I'm a stranger in a strange land, and as Jews, we have an obligation to, uh, like, uh, America brought the Jews over from the Holocaust into the United States from Europe. We have an obligation to allow people into our country and welcome them and not reject them. And I approached him respectfully afterwards and asked him if I could ask a question or disagree. And I just said, you know, I think it's a reasonable topic to discuss, but I think it's important that you frame it correctly and say this is illegal immigration and at least give both sides of the issue. And he uh, essentially said he listened to talk radio as well and watched Fox News, and he called me a nativist. Um, and then the second was a couple weeks ago they had an environmental day and how the Torah might deal with environment. They referenced the Garden of Eden and, and how God said you need to tend to the land. And they had a whole list of things on a sheet of paper that they gave you as you left, but all the things you could do, all of which were reasonable, you know, different light bulbs, make sure your air pressure in your car and your tires in your car was correct. But the last thing was an inconvenient truth. That everybody should see that movie. And I approached the canter this time. <laughs> I said, can I challenge you? And uh, and we began talking about it, and he said, there is no challenge to the idea that uh, global warming is man-made. And so this is a nonprofit organization that is pushing an agenda. And I don't mind having a discussion and trying to find out how Jews would look at it and how the Torah might deal with it, but it's there is no discussion. It is not framed. Well, in- you know, I'll tell you what is what is worth noting, and and I have no axe to grind here. I attend a Reform synagogue, so uh, so this is not... I'm not a denomination fan, as it were, but I but I'm an honesty fan. How come the Orthodox don't have conservative politics subjects for their rabbi sermons? And the reason is because they talk about Judaism. Now, Judaism may have political ramifications, certainly, but that's not their primary agenda. Their primary agenda is to give you the values of Judaism and and to teach Judaism as best as they can. Whereas for many reform rabbis, the agenda is to make you as left as possible. And because there is no distinction in their mind between leftist politics and Judaism, they are identical. And in fact, you should, that's what you should ask your rabbi. Rabbi, I'm curious, can you tell me one area where Judaism and the left differ? <laughs> really, well, ask, you, ask him that. Well, I'll tell you where it differs, and, and, and this is a big question for me, uh, I, I'm, and this is a conservative uh, uh, congregation. All right, fine. A lot of young conservative rabbis have, have, a, have a very similar, uh, uh, they, they, they practice more rituals, but they have the same values as, as the many of the left-wing rabbis of reform. Go ahead. But, but the conservative movement has, uh, I, I believe it has sent out a general opinion on gay marriage, and it has allowed, it is allowing gay marriage, and my question for the rabbi would be, and I'm not, look, I don't keep kosher, I, I study with an Orthodox rabbi, moving more to be more and more religious, but my question is, if the Torah forbids it, let it be, you know, because it feels here, good. Here is where, as I pointed out, and it, it's a Los Angeles Times article I wrote a couple of years ago, it's easily gotten through the internet. The great difference in, in values issues, the divide is overwhelmingly 
one of, do you believe that there is scripture from God or not? Those who believe in divine scripture do not believe that marriage should be redefined. Those who believe that scripture is written by men believe, as a general rule, that marriage can be redefined. Well, and I, and my only argument would be, you know, it's more convenient not to keep kosher today. Uh, pork is, is perfectly... Yeah, but the, the, the ritual doesn't disturb them. It's the values issues, like the marriage issue and, and so on. But it is, I'll tell you what troubles me, and I thank you for your call. What troubles me is, is when he was called a nativist for raising illegal immigration and told cases closed on the issue of man-made global warming. This is why I don't have respect for, uh, for leftist views, because they're not intellectually rooted. There is a series of dismissals of all challenges that never deal with the challenges. You don't agree on affirmative action, you are a racist, so I don't have to debate you. you we don't agree on immigration, you're a nativist, so I don't have to debate you. Uh, you uh, you think that uh, marriage should be between a man and a woman, you're a homophobe, so I don't have to debate you. Uh, 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 whatever it is, there's a one word, you don't agree on global warming, you deny science. I don't have to debate you. But what about all the scientists who, in fact... Uh, believe that this is the great hoax of the 21st century, that we are being uh, led by man-made carbon emissions to destruction of the planet. Vast numbers of scientists believe that this is a major hoax. Major, serious scientists. So the answer, Time gave you the answer on its front page, on the cover of its of its magazine about uh, sometime in the last year. They're all paid by, by uh, their whores. You're a whore if you're a scientist who doesn't agree that there's man-made uh, global warming that will lead to catastrophe. So we don't have to debate whores. <laughs> there's always a one-word dismissal of your of your decency from the left. A one-word dismissal. Homophobe, intolerant, bigot, nativist, sexist, anti-science, that's it. So we, well, why would we debate such primitive scum like you people who disagree with the left? You're scum. That's the view. I, I could prove it to you. Where's our great quote here? Oh, boy, I don't know what happened. I'll, I'll play it for you. I'll give you the Howard Dean famous quote. You're listening to the Dennis Prager Show. We continue on this Christmas Day. Oh, my golly, have a holly jolly Christmas this year. I wonder, is there any holiday on earth that has engendered this much music? No, nothing close. Nothing close. Exactly. No, that's not. That's not close. Fourth of July and in quantity. No. no. I mean, people couldn't even name five Fourth of July songs. All that. I mean, you know. Yeah, specific to the Fourth of July. Exactly. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here on this Christmas Day. One eight Prager seven seven six. And it's a rare time of the year that you can, or hopefully can, get into the show. So I'm giving you the number now, one eight prager 776 And I'm taking questions on anything, anything with regard, oh, that's the digit sign? Uh, you're right, it is. It's the number sign. That's 877-243-7776. 877-243-7776. Any question that you have on anything to do with religion, if you're an atheist, you're an agnostic, you're a Jew, you're a Christian, you're a Muslim, you're a Buddhist, you're a Hindu, 
You're not any of them. You are a conglomeration of all of them. Whatever you are curious about in that regard, I am happy to talk to you about. I ended uh, the last hour <laughs> on my downer note about my view of humanity, but what, what am I going to do? I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. Uh, I said I have a lot of answers to a lot of skeptics' questions about God and religion, but there are questions that I have that I don't have answers to. I fully acknowledge it. I don't know why God made such an utterly flawed uh, being as the human being. Why, why he? I, I, not why he made the human being, but why he made such a flawed one. It's very hard to read history and not have a very dour view of the human species. I, I, uh, I just, I, I marvel at the the ease with which so many of its members. Engage in cruelty. I understand avarice, greed, sloth, the seven sins. I understand them. That's a separate issue. But the the love of inflicting suffering or the the ease with which people can just turn a, a, a blind eye to it is 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 obviously built in. It it just apparently is built in. On the other hand, I do have this view increasingly as I get older that there really do seem to be two species of Homo sapiens. Because I, I must admit, while I have my whole host of battles with my own nature, I don't have any battle tea with cruelty. I'll be per- perfectly honest with you. Laziness, sloth, lust, the whole, the whole gamut. But, but cruelty? And, and, and I know that there are a fair number of you listening who have the same thing. You have a whole host of, of issues to battle your nature with, but cruelty is not one of them. And there is a whole host of, of human beings for whom cruelty comes very naturally or obliviousness to it. And, you know, and that starts very early. You know, kids are just staggeringly cruel to other kids. It's almost like, again, as I say, there seem to be almost two species of human beings. God, when I was a camp counselor, and may I tell you, I learned more about uh, human beings as a camp counselor than I did in uh, all of my uh, years of, of, uh, of study at college and graduate school. It was a spectacular experience. And I saw this. I saw I, I, at every bunk that I was counselor of, I always used to think they're divided into three groups: the bullied, the the bullies, the bullied, and the others. And the others were divided into those who did nothing, and on very, very, very rare occasions, somebody who would confront the bully. That's why I I have never been able to join those who have so. Uh, so been so angered by the deposing of this staggering bully called Saddam Hussein. One could think many things about mistaken ways of doing it or a whole host of issues that you may have with American intervention. But the uh, that there isn't any part of, of many people that just is thrilled that a man of such staggering cruelty was deposed. I don't, I don't get it. Don't get it. All right. Yes, he's right. He's right. I I have now vented all my downers. 
it's Christmas. The Christmas spirit has to prevail. You are right, Alan Estrin. Once again, for the fourth time this year, you are right. That is that is something. No, no, he's right. All right, so it's uh, you know what? Give me the holly jolly. Let's get back into the happy. Let, let's give me give me holly jolly again. My it's one of my five favorite anyway. Yes, it's exactly right. Absolutely. Here we go. Holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. Indeed. I don't know and that's the point of it, by the way. you got to leave your bad thoughts behind on this day. And when you walk down the street. Yes. Say hello to everyone you meet. I did. Ho, ho. I will say hello to everybody I meet. Where you can see. Somebody waits for you. Christmas. And in case you didn't hear. All right. Oh, he, he did it. We're alive. Thank you. This year. It's true. And, and people are, are nicer, I think. There is something about it. I, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a great time of year. All right. Good. Now, by the way, I'm not going to tell you, just not because I don't like dealing with it, but because I have already. So we're not going to deal with the why, don't the why didn't the Jews recognize Jesus question this hour. I've, we've had a number of those. So forgive me, for example, Rick in Houston. And we got one line broken anyway, so it's, it's, it's going to be a little harder to get in. So try to get in, and I will be clearing up uh, as many as I can. And let's go to Mill Valley, California. Mill Valley, Dennis Prager, and Bob. Hi, Bob. Hello, Dennis. Uh, nice to speak with you. Thank you. I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, uh, which English translation of the Tanakh... Uh, well, that's the Old you, Testament for... Yeah, go on. The Hebrew Bible, yeah. Uh, that you, do you think is most accurate? Well, accurate is not is not... If that's your question, there is one that's extremely accurate, but not very readable. It's it's published by Shockin. It's the Everett Fox. Is it Everett Fox? Yeah. The Everett Fox translation is the single most accurate, but it's, it's not going to hold your interest very long because it is so accurate. When you say accurate, you mean uh, literal translation? Yes, that's correct. It, it's, just, it's the most literal translation that I know of. I, I mean, it's readable, but it, it's the most readable is the NIV. That that's uh, what is a new international version. I, I think that that's the most readable that I know of. That that is also fairly accurate uh, to the source. Uh, and so you you you. Uh, I I frankly I'm a big fan of the King James. Uh, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I think they did a great job. What about from a Jewish uh, perspective? Well, there's no, I mean, a translation is a translation. There's no such thing as Jewish or not Jewish perspective. If you're accurate, you're accurate. Accurate. You could be a Buddhist, a Christian, an atheist. You have to translate it accurately uh, to the best of your ability and, and also readable. Uh, but if you would ask me the greatest commentary, uh, modern commentary uh, uh, from a Jewish perspective, it is the Jewish Publication Society of America. They have a ter- terrific commentary on the five books of Moses. Just terrific. I salute them uh, deeply. The uh, Leviticus is a bit weaker than the others, so you could, for Leviticus, you can go to uh, Jacob Milgram's Anchor Bible. Trans- uh, not translation, but uh, commentary. 
All righty. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate that. We go to, uh, I don't even understand the city. Eamis? Hello? What is is your city, Carol? It's called Loomis. How do you spell it? L-O-O-M-I-S. It's outside. Oh, she has L-O-M-M-I-S. All right, Eva will be punished. Okay. It's outside Sacramento. (laughs) It's outside Sacramento. Okay, Carol, thank you for calling. And I have a question actually specifically about the B'nai Noach movement, but I just, because of the previous caller, Dennis, I have to tell you as a a secular Jew who's actually whose family is moving back into observant Judaism, I would say Art Scroll's translation is different than a King James version. I will just offer that. But that yes, that's question. that's a good point. Well, well, for one thing, they 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 use God's name in Hebrew, and they they go from the English to the Hebrew, uh, right? Don't they say Hashem when it says Lord? Well, I mean, more important are things like translations like Alma and Pierce and. There's a lot of places where... Oh, I see. That's a good point. That's very fair. Stay on. Stay on with me. And hello, my friends. The Christmas show on the Dennis Prager Show. For those of you just discovering me, go to PragerRadio.com and see my columns and read about my life and, and welcome to it. And for the rest of you... I do broadcast today, and it is the show where I take questions on anything to do with religion, any religion, any idea about God, and if I can answer it, I will. And I think I've been fair. Doesn't mean not opinionated. You know, fair and not opinionated are not synonymous, but that's another subject. Incidentally, on on my happiness hour, I dealt with the question of what do you do if you have a Christmas party or a Christmas family get-together, better way of putting it today, and there are people in your family you get along with awfully. What do you do? And one, one, there are a few recommendations very quickly, then I'm going to go back to your calls. One is avoid any of the topics that cause that tension. Talk about anything. There, most people, there is something you can talk to about that could be pleasant. Maybe sports, maybe the weather, maybe travel, I mean, something totally apolitical or a non-religious or non-family oriented, if that's the tension. Second, it may be too late, but bring people who can neutralize the tension, usually some outsiders. So if there's somebody wandering the uh, around your house, invite them in. <laughs> Back to Loomis, California, and Carol. Hello, Carol. Thanks for holding on. Sure. So my question to you has to do with the B'nai Noach movement, and you may have to explain that to your listeners. Well, you may have to explain it. I know what it okay. means. It means the, the children of Noah. These are, I assume, non-Jews. Well, who- and, and just so you uh, understand, I as I, as a Jew, and my family have gone back into Judaism from being mere secular. We've gone back through to Judaism through the Chabad movement, which is an international movement that is welcoming to all Jews, no matter where you are. Um, and they also, from what I understand, embrace the B'nai Noach movement, which is the movement of righteous Gentiles, people who want to follow the laws of Noah. And it's very, I don't want to get into a lot of detail at this point, but um, I see it as a wonderful movement because I think so many Jews are, are battered to some degree spiritually. 
And I see Christians who move from being Christians into B'nai Noach movement as bringing that spiritual excitement that a lot of secular Jews no longer have. Well, it would be very interesting to hear from non-Jews who have, who have joined that. I don't know how big it is, but it, it, is a credit, it is a credit to Chabad that they are the first religious Jews in, in many, many centuries to feel that they have a mission to, to spread anything to the non-Jewish world. It's, uh, as I tell Jewish audiences, there's been a great tragedy in Jewish life that uh, and this is a generalization, which means that there are exceptions, but as a rule, overwhelmingly, the Jews who most live Judaism don't talk to the world, and the Jews who talk to the world least live Judaism. There are some exceptions. All righty, let's go to Jerry in Minneapolis. Hello, Jerry. Dennis Prager, thank you for calling. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my question was, what is the necessity for God in today's society? We know what uh, in the Bible, how God directed and taught people, but what is he directing and teaching us today, and is it different than than uh, the days of the Bible? Well, I think, I think that the need for God today is identical to the need of, for God 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago. If if there's no God, life is ultimately meaningless. Which it's all a coincidence and a series of of of, of random events. If there's no God, then there's no source of good and evil. The only thing that we know about good and evil is what our heart or mind tells us. But there is no objective right and wrong. There's only subjective right or wrong. Uh, and so, if there's no objective meaning and there's no objective right and wrong then I think we need God as much today as any other time. In fact, with the bombardment of, of relativism and the bombardment of, of, uh, of nihilism in our time, we, I think we need God in some ways more than ever before. So you certainly believe that if, if there really were no God, that we would all be evil, rapists, murderers, thieves? Pretty much. You, you do believe that? Yeah. Okay. You, I, Thanks. Well, no, no, no. I, you obviously don't. You, you think that the human... No, I don't. I, I, so, I just... Do you think that people are basically good? Uh, well, not, not really, I guess, but I'm not sure that well, I well, need well, a wait, Okay, hold on a minute. Let's go step by step. It's a okay. very important discussion. I'm very happy you called. You and I both believe that we're not born basically good. I would agree with that. Okay. So if the if the human species is is not born good then you don't think it helps to believe that there is a god who to whom we are morally accountable to make people more moral? Oh, I would not say that it does not help. I'm not sure it's necessary to have good moral All right, values so, so based wait, wait, on God. So hold on. Hold on. So then you do believe it helps. Yes, I would say that... Uh, okay, that so the only difference between you and me is really how much we think it helps. Well, certainly you've met people in your life that are not God-believers, that are very nice, Of course, moral of course, people. absolutely. You don't need God to have good morals. No, we needed, we needed God to have good morals, generally speaking, but that doesn't mean that everybody who believes in God is good or everybody who doesn't believe in God is bad. Of course I don't believe that. I would right. be an idiot. Sure. But but for the but for the society as a whole, the idea that there is no accountability. I look I look at the secular here here. I have a very simple thing for. And we'll just talk about America. 
because there are parts of the world where religion is making people worse and not better. So I'll talk about America and the way we understand, we have understood God as the author of liberty and the author of inalienable rights. Without that, what is the, what is the dominant institution which does not believe in that? The answer is the university. And between you and me, I believe that the university today has the worst values of any dominant institution in society, that they are the most confused about everything. They don't even know that men and women are basically different for the most part, let alone that communism and, and, and capitalism were different, or that the, or, or, or that the United States and, and, and imperialist nations are different. They're the most morally confused people in America, the, the secular professors of our university. That doesn't mean every one of them. Some of them are gems. So, yeah, I think it makes a difference, the, the, the God in, in America. Back in a moment. Christmas show on the Dennis Prager Show. Hi, everybody. one 8 Prager 773 Triple seven six eight seven seven two four three seven 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 six. Anything on religion or God is what I do on the Christmas show. Happy to take your calls. The last caller asked, of course, one of the great challenges. Aren't there good people who don't believe in God? And of course there are. And aren't there bad people who believe in God? Of course there are. And that, that, that's, that's, that's a given. You, to deny that is to deny truth. And if you deny truth, you, uh, you've lost credibility, to say the least. The, the question is not whether there are any. There are people who believe uh, believed in Zeus who are good. But no, it would be hard to argue that they did good because they believed in Zeus. So the fact that there are people who believe in no God who are good doesn't mean that no God leads to goodness. That's the point. Any more than Zeus would have led to goodness, even though there were certainly good people who believed in Zeus. There are good people who believe that the earth was on the back of a turtle. doesn't mean that belief in the, the earth being on the back of a turtle leads to, to morality. If God did not say, do not murder, then murder isn't wrong. That's the point. It doesn't mean that everybody who doesn't believe in God will be a murderer. Obviously not. But uh, if for the question, well, Dennis, do you believe that if uh, all God belief died, the world would uh, what, just people would turn into rapists and murderers? And I said, yes. Does that mean everybody would? No, I wouldn't. I admit that. I've been infused deeply enough with the notion of right and wrong over a lifetime. Not that I wouldn't become a murderer or a rapist if I stopped believing in God. But if society stopped believing in God, yes, I believe that that's exactly what would happen. Even for those of you who don't believe in a God, you will have you, you often make the point that God was invented in order to make people good because they were so despicable. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. You, you can't say, well, God was invented because people were so bad, uh, and then say, well, people would be good if there were no belief in God. And all I need to do is look at America today. And I asked my question, and I wrote a column on this, and I've done a lot of shows on this. If you were walking in a in a in a in a strange city in a in a dark alley at midnight, alone, lost, and ten men were walking toward you, and you found out that they had attended a Bible class, would you or would you not be relieved? 
course you'd be relieved. In fact, if all you knew, I, I, I should rephrase, I have a better way to ask this question. Let's say you are back to this dark alley, bad section of a city, really bad section, 10 men walking toward you. The only thing you know about the 10 men, this, this is the way I should have put it. The only thing you know about the 10 men is they believe in the God uh, of, or for that matter, they're religious Jews or religious Christians who believe in the God of the Bible. Or they have no religion whatsoever and do not believe in God. You know nothing else. That's the only thing you know about the 10 men walking toward you. Would you, would you not care either way? Okay, this is what I, I want. I, this is my answer to those of you who say God is irrelevant to morality. That's all you know about ten men, hulking, a uh, ten hulking men. <laughs> you can only make them out in 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 in, in their silhouette. On real life, not in not in academic studies. In real life, how would you vote? That they be atheists or theists, the ten men walking toward you. I think that uh, that's a pretty good one. And we go to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Harvey. Hi, Harvey. Dennis Prager. Dennis, how are you? Good I'm to well, talk to you. Thank you. Yes, I, I had a question about uh, the division of men and women uh, during prayer. Because, of course, in the uh, Orthodox uh, synagogues, I don't know about in the churches, if, if there are uh, systems of uh, belief where, the, where they're divided. But uh, in Orthodox uh, religion, uh, men and women are uh, separated. And I'm wondering uh, if, if uh, what you think about that and if it's, maybe that's a good idea to uh, bring that back. I, I will answer you as soon as we come back. Uh, it's a great question. You're listening to The Dennis Prager Show on Christmas. They did. They never let poor Rudolph Even reindeer call names? Join in any reindeer games. Then one foggy Christmas Yeah, Eve, what happened? Santa came to say huh? Rudolph, with your nose so bright Won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Then how the reindeer loved him Very nice. As they shouted out with glee Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you go down in history. Yeah, Rudolph had a gift. Is this our man Gene Autry? You know, I would love to play this song for kids in their teens today. They would they would think it's so corny, right? That's eh, sad. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Christmas Show, and I'm Dennis Prager, taking your calls on anything religion-related. After all these years, I have modified my 10 men walking toward you in a dark alley question, and it's better. How do you like that? Yes, that that's a good one. All righty. Uh, we, now, we're, we're back to uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Harvey. Harvey, you want to know, is, is it a good idea to like Orthodox Jews do, is have separate, and they have it, but Muslims do it too. Oh, is that, uh-huh. Yeah. Separate uh, men and women in uh, prayer services. 
my answer uh, has, for much of my life, has been this: in the uh, in the competition for my attention between a visible woman and an invisible god, visible women always win. So that's the case for separate seating. Well, you know, the, do you hear me right now? I sure, me? I hear you well. Okay, good. Because I know that there are some uh, synagogues where there's a separation, but of course you can see one another. Then there's a separation where there, you, you can't see one another yes, at all. Yes, exactly. Well, I, so I, I, I happen to pray in a mixed seating place, a synagogue, uh, every, every Saturday. But uh, I, I can make a very good case for the separation. Uh, for on the basis of what I just did, I mean, God is not visible, uh, and and especially given the power of, of, of what men see on them, and how distracting it could be, then uh, clearly uh, you you can make a very powerful case that it's a lot easier to pray with conviction, and without distraction, uh, without the women present. I think for women. Given that the visual is not as powerful a, uh, a stimulant as it is for men, the, the argument may not be uh, as powerful. And there are also, I have to say, there are also some advantages of being with your, your wife or your husband and having the whole family seated together uh, at a service. There's something nice about that, too. So there's, some, there's an advantage on that side. I think the happy medium uh, would be that women wear... Um, modest clothing to services uh, th- because if you're going to have mixed seating at a service and women are, are uh, going to show off a fair amount of their uh, body then then uh, th- you know the, the, um, unless unless the man is gay or um, blind uh, I, can't, I can't really to be perfectly honest then I, I don't uh, I, I, I don't know how he's going to pray with conviction you know, God already has this hurdle of being invisible. I'd be curious how people react to that. Thank you, Harvey. Appreciate that. And let's go to Robert in Vista, California. Hello, Robert Dennis Prager. Thank you for calling. Hi, Dennis. Hi. Yeah, the question that I have, and I've been listening to your program for a little while, and you probably have already answered this, but um, in the Old Testament, Judaism there was a sacrifice for sins. And I just wondered how um, in Judaism today that that's dealt with. Okay, um, let me, let me, let me, there, there is an answer to this, uh, uh, that I, and, and you're certainly free to react to it. Number one, one the one vast, yeah, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Just that I, I disagree with you that, 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 I mean, you said that people are not born good. I, I don't think that there is any good person. Um, I think we've all, Fallen, yeah, obviously. well, the fact, well, that, that's, there's no perfect person, but there right. are good people. I, I've never, right. I just, I, I'm sorry, I can't buy that rhetoric. There okay. are good people, and you know there are good people because there are people you would, you would f- far more trust to take, to babysit your children than, than others. Yeah, perfect is, is, is the correct. Okay, word, well, yeah. but nobody ever claimed they were perfect people, and there right. isn't even a biblical word for perfect. It doesn't exist. Okay, we believe that obviously as Christians that there's there was one perfect man. That is correct. That's fine. I have no yep. argument with that. I am yep. just saying that that for the for those who are not born divine, which is the rest of us, 
Right. We, we uh, there are good people. There just aren't perfect people. Right. All right. Now, as to the as to the sacrificial system, the sacrificial system, even when it existed, was only only atoned uh, among the sincere penitent for a handful of sins against God and for no sins against other human beings. So it never atoned for sins against other people anyway. Number two, even the system itself allowed non-blood sacrifices. If you were too poor to bring an animal, you, you brought grain. Right. So that's my answer. Okay. Okay? Okay. All right. Thank you very, very much. Appreciate that. And let's go to Tyler, Texas, and Florence. Hello, Florence. Dennis Prager. Hi. Hi, Dennis. Thank you for taking my call, and thank you for being out there and doing what, what you're doing. And, thank you. And keeping God in, our, in the picture of all things. Yep. My, my thing is, uh, what I think what happens is people tend to, uh, how do I say it, um, worship man as God. They're like put, they're pushing God out of the picture. Therefore, you know, the God of Abraham, where it says in the Bible. In Ezekiel, that um, work. Yes, you know what? Without even quoting, look, that is, people will worship something. If it isn't going to be God, then they will worship something. They may worship art. They may worship beauty. They may worship education. They may worship power. They may worship fame. The human being is built to worship something. I prefer this God that you and I adore, or at least worship. Well, Bing Crosby ends our Christmas music, doesn't he? With every Christmas card I write. It's beautiful. I hope you've enjoyed my Christmas show, taking your calls about anything to do regarding God and religion. I'm Dennis Prager, grateful every day to live in the United States of America. Yesterday I was uh, I was at a sushi bar, and the Japanese uh, sushi makers at this particular one were uh, telling uh, customers, and in, the, in one case that I happened to know a young couple, they were Jewish, Merry Christmas. And they responded, Merry Christmas. And I thought, that's America, where a Japanese guy is wishing Jewish people a Merry Christmas and everybody's thrilled about it. <laughs> it was the young couple that uh, that I was with, a wonderful couple, that uh, made, the, uh, made the point to me, and it's so, so true. That's why I don't want to let it go. I don't want, I don't want this to become a de-religionized society for so, so many reasons, not least of which it will hurt Americans. What, what, what does it, I don't get it, what, what's the skin off your back, as we used to say, for saying Merry Christmas? What, what, what could that, what, what have you compromised on your principles? If you're an atheist or you're not a Christian and you're in some other religion, what? This is a wonderful day. This is a wonderful day. No matter what, for all Americans, this is a wonderful day period, no matter what your background. And I want you to keep it a wonderful day, so I want you to drive very carefully. And if you drink, you do not drive. That's, that is evil to do that. 
You can't do that. And if you know somebody who has, you get a taxi, you hire a driver, or you drive the person. But wherever you'll be, wherever you are now, I wish you a wonderful day. A Merry Christmas for all those of you celebrating in this, as my friend says, the most wonderful country on God's Green Earth. I'm Dennis Prager. Thank you for listening. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of Pragertopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at Pragertopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.